That is the perfect hymn to get us set up for the word that we are about to hear. Uh, I'd like to begin, though, with a quote from pastor and author Tim Keller. Keller writes, God's kingdom is present in its beginnings, but still future in its fullness. In this stage, we embrace the reality that while we're not yet what we will be, we're also no longer what we used to be. Keller's right, though. We, we have not yet fully realized the kingdom of God in this world, but we're also not where we used to be. That's the nature of the kingdom of God. It's a reality that we know and glimpse right now, but it's also something that has not yet arrived. We're living in the in-between times, and so that means that sometimes this life can be beautiful and glorious, and other times it can feel like too much to bear. And yet we still have hope. Because we know that the future is in God's hands. This morning we're going to be looking at the gospel reading from Mark's fifth chapter that we just read. And we'll be talking a lot about this idea of the future being in the hands of God. I've titled this sermon, We Know How the Story Ends. Please pray with me. May the words of my lips and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. A little something you might not know about me, I actually really like to read. In particular, I like to read books that will keep me guessing. I read a lot of nonfiction, uh, for work in particular, but I also read a lot of mystery novels, thrillers, even young adult fantasy novels. It doesn't really matter so long as the book keeps me wondering what's going to happen next. My favorite types of books are the ones that I can't figure out, the ones that completely surprise me with an unforeseen twist at the end. I really like being surprised. It's exciting and engaging in ways that other stories aren't. But here's the thing, because I like books that surprise me, that means that I never, on principle, never reread a book. I know some people who have favorite books that they've read again and again and again. My sister has read the Harry Potter series four times. I don't understand it. That's not me. I like twists and turns. I like to be surprised. And because of that fact, there's no reason for me to read a book a second time because I know how the story's going to end. There's no twist there left for me to discover. Now, I've got to admit, though, there's something undeniably ironic about this firm stance I have against rereading books, because after all, a big part of my job involves reading and rereading the scriptures. For example, this this book, this chapter that we just read from Mark's gospel, it's a story that I've read hundreds of times. I've read it dozens of times this week in preparation for this sermon, but I've read it hundreds of times before. In fact, I looked back, I have preached on this exact text three times already in my short ministry career. And yet here I stand today, once again, diving into the same familiar story, knowing exactly how it's going to end. And even if you hadn't heard this specific passage of scripture before this morning, I'm guessing that you all were able to figure out what was going to happen long before I read the conclusion to the passage. A brief refresher on what we've heard. 
there's a synagogue leader named Jairus, and he comes to Jesus and begs him to visit his ailing 12-year-old daughter. And right there, you know how the story's going to end. You know that Jesus is going to heal this little girl because that's just what Jesus does. But then there's a twist in the story, and you know how much I love twists. As Jesus is passing and on his way to Jairus' house, there's crowds all around him, and a woman who has been hemorrhaging for 12 years, reaches out from the crowds and touches Jesus' cloak. And this action is an egregious behavior at that point in time. The outer cloak that Jesus wore was a prayer garment, the most holy of garments a rabbi would wear. In those days, no person should ever touch a rabbi's prayer shawl, let alone a woman, let alone a woman with a bleeding disorder. This woman has overstepped so many boundaries in this simple action, and yet we know how the story is going to end. We know that Jesus won't dwell on the rules that were broken, but rather Jesus will focus on the healing the brokenness in the woman. Even before reading the next verses, we know how the story will end. We know that Jesus will act with grace and compassion And he will give this desperate woman the healing that she so longs to receive. To us, these events from the gospel this morning, they aren't shocking. They aren't nerve-wracking. They aren't even necessarily that awe-inspiring to us, simply because we've heard it before in various different ways. They are simple reminders to us of Jesus' goodness and grace, something we probably already knew when we walked in the doors this morning. But I want us to look at these passages in a different way because I want us to really think about what this must have actually felt like for the woman and Jairus in that moment. How were they feeling in the moments before the story's conclusion? I want us to try and put ourselves in their shoes for a minute while we reread this passage. Uh, Please open your pew Bibles with me, um, or if you brought your own Bible, we're going to look at Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 21. It's page 34 and 35 in the New Testament, if you're in the Pew Bibles. Um, Pull it up on your phone if you need to. Or if you brought your own Bible from home, that's great too. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. And again, try and imagine yourself as a character in the story, not as someone who knows how it's going to end. Let's read. Verse 21. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side... A great crowd gathered around him, and, was by, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she will be made well and live. Pause here. Here we see a distraught and desperate man. His young daughter is on her deathbed, and he's reaching out to Jesus as a last hope for his daughter's survival. What must that have felt like? Imagine the pain and the dread, the desperation in his voice when he asked Jesus to come and help his fading daughter. Okay, let's keep reading. Jump with me to verse 25. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She'd endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, 
For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Pause there. Here is a woman who's tried everything, who's spent all of her money trying to stop her condition. And in a last moment effort, in complete desperation, she decides to seek out this Jesus who she's heard about and to touch his outer cloak. Even though she knew just how inappropriate it would have been to touch the prayer shawl of a rabbi. What must that moment have felt like for the woman? In that pause after she had touched Jesus' cloak, but before Jesus began to speak? Imagine the distress, the fear that she must have felt as she waited to see how her desperate and inappropriate action would have been received. Okay, let's look further down at verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking to the woman, some people came from the leader's house to say to Jairus, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Now, what must that have felt like for the synagogue leader, Jairus? To hear that Jesus was too late. Your last ditch effort, your final hope for saving your daughter was on the way to the house, but he didn't get there quickly enough. Imagine the sorrow and the pain, the questions that must have filled his head at that moment. What if he had acted more quickly? What if he had sought Jesus out sooner? What if Jesus hadn't been interrupted by that hemorrhaging woman? The point I'm trying to make, church, is that this story reads a lot differently when you don't jump to the end. Instead of getting to the good part, we need to recognize the the many real and difficult emotions that must have faced Jairus and the woman. And then we need to realize that their fear and despair and pain and frustration and loss and questions and desperation, all of those emotions aren't that different than the way you and I might feel on a daily basis. I've got to be honest, I've been sick over the reports I've been hearing about the policies and practices of our government at the border. The stories about the separation of immigrant families, the images and descriptions of the child prisons where these children are housed, they fill me with anger and frankly with shame at what we're doing. As further reports of these atrocities surface and as other policies of the current administration continually devalue and dehumanize large groups of people, I'm left wondering, how is this going to end? And that's not the only thing that keeps me up at night. When I hear about the melting polar ice caps or the increasing global temperatures or the rising sea levels, I'm left wondering, how is this going to end? And when I read the latest statistics about decreased church attendance and the increase in the number of churches that are closing and the growing number of people out there who are not religious, I say to myself, how is this going to end? And when I hear about another senseless mass shooting or about another unarmed young black man shot in the back by police, I wonder, how is this going to end? Desperation, fear, despair. The truth is, church, the emotions of the hemorrhaging women and Jairus are not that different than how we feel when we turn on the news every night. But what we must never forget, church, What we must cling to at difficult times like this is the fact that we know how the story will end. God has told us, God has promised us that violence, 
hatred, destruction, death, and decay, the things that we currently see on a daily basis, they will not have the last word in God's great story. Our faith boldly and clearly proclaims that God is not yet finished with this world. The whole story began long ago when the creative love of God overflowed and brought forth life. And the story of this creation will not end until Christ returns and brings everything back into the love of God. We can be confident that Jesus will heal the bleeding woman and restore Jairus' daughter But we can also be just as confident that God will never let hatred and bigotry and death have the final say. God has a plan to restore families, not separate them. God has a plan to unite all people, not divide them by race or income or political affiliation. God has a plan for all people to be healed and whole, not for their bodies to be destroyed by disease. God has a plan for swords to be turned into plowshares, for tears to be wiped away, for mourning and crying and even death itself to be abolished, for all creation to be reconciled back to God. I'll be honest, part of the reason I'm preaching this sermon is because I need to hear it. I've been feeling overwhelmed by all the stories that I mentioned. And as I hear these stories, I've been left to wonder, how I can be sure that my country, my city, my community, my congregants, my family, how can I be sure that we're going to be safe? How can I be sure that my children will grow up to be successful adults? Or how can I be sure that some random tragedy won't strike me or the people that I love? The uncomfortable truth is that I can't be sure about any of this. I don't know what the next chapter of my life might bring, but I do know how the story will end. Though dark days may lie ahead, though we might be walking right into the valley of the shadow of death, we shall fear no evil, for God is with us. We know at these moments how the story will end. The story ends when the woman is healed when Jairus' daughter is restored to life, and the story of this world will only be over when all of creation rests in the hands of God again. Amen. Amen.